Welcome to the SB Live California podcast. I'm joined today with Orange Lutheran head football coach Rod Sherman. Coach Sherman, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks for allowing me to share with you. I know you got a very busy day today, so let's try to get in these questions as quick as possible. So as far as year one go, I know it was your second stint. You'd been offensive coordinator here before, and we'll get into all that. But year one as head coach, 10-5, and five, Division II Southern Section Championship. Really couldn't have gone much better for your group. Uh, as you reflect with your banquet tonight, uh, what are some thoughts you have after year one? Because like, as a neutral observer, I, I really don't think it could have gone any better for you guys. Yeah, I'm super proud of our guys. Um, we had a short runway to start this year. I got hired in mid-May. Um, probably spent the first month hiring coaches. Uh, I think we had our first coaches meeting June 20th, something like that. We started practice right around July 1st. Uh, so that, like I said, that's a short runway for getting started. And I uh, was proud of, of what we accomplished. I felt like we played our best football at the end of the season. And we learned and we grew throughout the course of the year. Um, so I'm just thankful for this first group of young men that uh, and coaches that had the opportunity to partner with this year. Five and one last season in one score games. You see a lot of teams, they'll have that flip. They'll be one and five. They'll struggle when it's close. That was not your group a year ago. What allowed you guys to be so good in those tight games, do you think? I thought we had some guys that made great plays down the stretch of games uh, that were game-deciding plays. Um, in our championship game, it was uh, close at the very end, and Logan um, – you know, was just just made some incredible throws at the end of the game. Desmond with a run, a couple of huge defensive stops. Um, and, uh, you know, we try to practice those situations, but the ball bounced our way. And, and again, probably more than anything, we had some really good players step up really well at the end of games to make those game-deciding plays. You know, when you think about close games, there's probably a handful of plays that dictate whether you're going to win or lose those. And, you're probably going to go through years where you win a few more, probably some years where you lose a few more just based on how many of those plays um, your guys make. So we're, we're really thankful this year that it helped us to get some confidence early on and win a, a week three game on a last-minute field goal against a really, really good Edison team. And, you know, that crazy thing called belief, when you start developing in it uh, or when you start believing as a team, then some good things happen for you. What do you think's the key to being clutch? It's something you can't really practice. Your group had it a year ago. How do you improve? How do you get to a point where you develop being clutch? I think it's really challenging, and your group had it last year. How do, how do you get that? Um, well, first, I think you have to practice situations. You have to know what's needed at certain times. Um, and, you know, we, we try to do certain situations every week and then to learn from them. Right, not just do a situation and practice and have it be your offense against your defense and have it be a winner and a losing, but more of, uh, okay, hey, if the offense won this period, why? What do we need to do different defensively and vice versa? And just continuing to learn and grow um, throughout that process. And, uh, you know, clutch just doesn't happen overnight. Um, you got to keep working and growing. And and those times where you you – the world may look and say you're not clutch and it didn't go your way. How are you going to continue to the sun comes up the next morning and learn from it and try to be better the next time? 
that senior core from last season was really special. And a lot of times we see when a new coach comes in at a big program, maybe a bunch of kids will come in and the team will look totally different. That wasn't the case for your group. It was a very similar core to what had been here the last couple of years. I know you weren't here the last few years, but why do you think you were able to elevate that group to go win a championship when it was a lot of the same guys? What was the key to that? What were you doing differently? Maybe the past uh, coaches weren't doing that might be tough to answer but do you know what I mean it seemed like you were the difference from being just a team kind of middle of the road to going to win a championship what do you think was different that last year yeah I think it's important to recognize that coaches uh, probably get too much of the blame when something doesn't go well and get too much of the credit when something does go well Um, so I don't know that there's anything that our staff did right away um I hope we developed good relationships with the young men. I hope the young men know that we're going to care about them and that we're going to love them. Uh, and I hope that our young men know that we're here for them. And that doesn't mean that they're going to get their way at every turn. Um, but th- there was an amazing group of young men, uh, and specifically our seniors, who immediately bought into our core values, love, accountability, passion, toughness, uh, I believe they cared about each other, and all they needed was a little bit of confidence. And, and whether that confidence came through us as coaches, that confidence came through having some success early in the season, you just saw that when a young man or a team starts to get confidence, a lot of things can start um, snowballing from there. And you could see it in our team that they, early on in the season, started seeing, oh, we can be really, really good. We can compete at a high level. Um, and hopefully what they saw in us as coaches was a competitive fire that's going to say, we're not, uh, woe is us, Orange Lutheran. Oh, we have to play in the Trinity League versus let's get excited about what we have the opportunity to do. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's leave it all out on the field. Um, and let's continue to not be concerned about a finite destination of success versus the journey and what that process of growth and success looks like. Here's the million-dollar question. After a great year one, and I'm sure even in year one, the goal is to try to close the gap on the best teams in the Trinity League modern day. St. John Bosco, who you had a good game against this past year. Even modern day, you showed some really good things on defense. How do you close the gap between where you guys are right now and those top teams in the league? Uh, First, I think we grow our culture. Um, I think we embed our core values deeper in our program. We grow relationships uh, between players and coaches and between players uh, and themselves. Um, we enhance our accountability. Now we have the, the real work of developing leaders. Um, when you have a short runway to start the season, you have to really be selective about what aspects of the program you want to put in place and what you want to wait on. And going into the off season now, uh, we started a leadership council. Uh, we have goals for every player. How do we help them achieve their goals? We're really able, uh, with Coach Reynolds, our director of performance, to get into our off-season program more. And those are huge aspects of how we close the gap. But the reality is we got to worry more about ourselves and worry less about looking out and what other people are doing versus looking inward and saying, are we developing the unique gifts and talents of each one of our players to the fullest? And then uh, where that lands, that'll land. 
de- uh, developing a player to their fullest. Excuse me. When you say that, I think of Logan Gonzalez from last year. He was fantastic, throwing for nearly 4,000 yards, 47 touchdowns. I got two questions on Logan. First, how happy are you for him that he recently committed to Portland State? I just saw that. I was really happy for him. And then I want to ask how you tailored the offense to suit his strengths. But first, can you just talk to me about how the Portland State commitment came to be and how excited you are for him? Yeah, man, it is so... It didn't take me long to become a huge Logan fan and to uh, just desire for him to have the greatest amounts of success. Uh, This is a tough recruiting market. Uh, especially for older kids with COVID, with the transfer portal, at the quarterback position. Things are really, really hard and really, really complicated. Um, And, you know, it's always easy to look back and say, oh, what level in a typical cycle could he have played at, et cetera. One of the things I love about Logan is he was just looking for a school to give him a chance to play. And... Um, finished a couple different recruiting trips, came back from the East Coast, and just felt right about Portland State. And as a coach, I think what you want is not to worry about what level is a kid going based on how's it going to help the program, but is a kid happy and is a kid finding joy in using football as an avenue to get their education paid for? Um, And I think Logan is going to do awesome things in college. We're excited that three guys are going up to Portland State, and a couple of his buddies are going with them, and we can't wait to get up there and watch him play. Uh, so we're we're absolutely ecstatic uh, for Logan and for how he's grown and for what he gave to this school and gave to our program. Uh, we'll forever be grateful to him. I know you don't call the plays. Your offensive coordinator, Aaron Corp, does, but you have an offensive background. And when you inherited Logan as your starting quarterback, what did you do to design the offense the best way to fit his strengths? What was that process like, and what did you do that you think gave him the best chance to have this incredible season? Yeah, um, I think I can answer for Aaron. Uh, Aaron Corpse, our offensive coordinator, I had the privilege of coaching him uh, when he was a high school student here. And it's kind of cool to watch someone that you had coached be able to take the team places that you could never take them on your own. Uh, and I, that's how I feel offensively, uh, and I've learned a ton from him where I would probably be different going back if I ever was an offensive coordinator again. Um, I, I think Aaron first looked, and we had some workouts and said, okay, what's the strength of our team? How do we devise a system that's going to fit our guys? And, um, you know, Logan, we think, is a very good athlete, but you probably weren't going to design the system around zone read a ton of quarterback run game uh, versus letting him go back there, deal the football. He's great in empty protection. He's great checking uh, protections. He's great reading coverages and letting him work. Uh, so as the season went along and Aaron saw more of, oh, hey, we're a little bit better in empty here because Logan is so smart. Well, let's do it more. And you start accentuating his strengths. Um, it ended up having uh, some really good play action passing attack um, because that's what he was really really good at he's great getting the ball to the running back out of the backfield Desmond Jackson ended up with 55 catches as a tailback and JT Terry played tailback had another 10 to 12 Um, so you you just build an offense around the strengths of your guys and and we were pretty good at receiver we were good uh, quarterback so we were a little bit more pass heavy than run heavy because of that was there a time last year 
maybe it was for Logan, maybe it was for the whole team, where you remember it just sort of clicked, and then you thought, okay, now we're rolling, now things are starting to go really well for us. Did you have that moment last year, or was it just steady progress every day? Uh, I think it was steady progress, but in a weird way, uh, we had a three-week stretch where we were playing three of the top seven, eight teams in the country, and we fought. Um, we weren't we weren't okay just existing in those games. And at that point, you saw what our team could go, and that just you know that fight and that tenacity they had um, that was important for us to long term change. The, the culture of our football program to raise the level, to say we want to compete at the highest possible levels. And we weren't walking on that field defeated already. There was the ability to go and fight and compete. And I think that was true of our entire program um, throughout that three-week run. It didn't start the way we wanted it to. We thought we could fight better, and then we started to do that. So we were pretty excited about it. You just mentioned the three-week stretch playing Servite, Modern Day, Bosco, three of the top ten teams in the country. As you look back on that, was there one or two players who gave you the, who, who were the toughest to game plan against looking back? I know both those, or all three of those teams have so much talent, but anyone in particular stick out in terms of a, a coach's nightmare trying to game plan against them? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think about a couple of the kids from Servite in that first game. Man, I, I think Noah, T-Mac, Mason Graham, you know, those three kids play football the way football is meant to be played. They all three play both ways. Um, they're not taking plays off. They're going hard every play. I really respect what those three young men do. Uh, and just the way they go about playing. Um, I think David Bailey from Modern Day plays the game the right way and is going to Stanford and I'm sure he's going to have a great career. Um, so I think... Our, our conference is made up of great players, and what sticks out are the great players who also play the game the right way too. And you know their their attitude and their effort look like they're off the charts. And you can just tell when you go to league meetings how much their coaches love coaching them, et cetera. Um, you know, Rayshon Luke from from Bosco is just so athletic on the perimeter and can do so many things as tailback. Um, so every week in our conference, there's issues that you got to figure out from a game plan perspective. Uh, Hero Canoe from Santa Margarita, right? What a what a great story about a kid learning to play football, and then you know senior year is just dominant, going to Ohio State. He drew a double team every play. So it's it's not about if a team has one; it's about what are you going to do with the guys this week to give your own players the best chance for success. You're hired last May after being the offensive coordinator and going to school here, which is something I didn't know until doing a little research on you before this podcast, what was that process like when you're trying to get hired back after being here for the first stint? Did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? Take me through that whole process last uh, spring. Yeah, I, I've stayed connected here just because, you know, when you're an alum, you care about the school, et cetera. And uh, when the school had, had made the decision to move on from their previous coach who – I have a ton of respect for is a really, really good man. And we went to school together here and we coached together here uh, for Jim. Um, the AD reached out and said, would you be interested? And, uh, you know, it's hard to move back to Southern California, et cetera. Um, but I think there's something special when your alma mater calls you 
and says, here's what we're looking to do. Um, can you get on board with that vision, et cetera? Um, so we, it was a pretty quick process from the time I think they made, you know, and obviously with spring, uh, playing in the spring here in California, I think they got done end of April. Um, you know, it was probably about two weeks from my first conversation to my wife and I coming out here, uh, spending a few days here, going through the interview process. You know, they interviewed uh, other candidates and then just on both sides saying this seems like a fit. What's that interview like when you've been here before you went to school here? I'm sure you felt like you had an inside track to the job because of your history. Um, you know, I, I've been fortunate to be able to serve in leadership and athletics and school leadership. And I think it would have, and we talked about this early on, it would have been a mistake for me to think about it, Orange Lutheran circa 2007 when I was here last. Just like it probably would have been a mistake for Orange Lutheran to think about Rod circa 2007 and hopefully I've learned and grown since that time and the school's not the same place. There's uh, been probably a complete turnover as I think about our upper level leadership from CEO, CFO, principal, none of them were in place uh, when I left here. Uh, so although I, I thought I understood what the school stood for, it was still a, getting a chance to reacquaint with school leaders and for them with me and I never felt like I had an inside track uh, and to be honest if they wouldn't have hired me I wanted what was best for the school um, I would have been okay uh, to not be the guy and just like if the school comes to me and says you, you know we need to go in a different direction I want the school to be successful and I'm as an as an alum here I want the best for the school and for the kids here in this program and I want to hold the program and my leadership open-handed versus um, you know, holding it tight to, to the vest and from a prideful standpoint. It surprised me to read that you didn't play football here. In fact, you just told me you never played a down of football in your life, right? Not even youth football. That's fascinating. Take me through how you got into coaching football when you hadn't played. Yeah, I, uh, thanks for asking. I was, uh, I was a basketball player here. Uh, played a little bit of baseball, did a little track, and uh, went to Concordia University in Irvine to become a teacher uh, and helped with the freshman basketball team when I was a freshman in college. Uh, Sean Cassidy was the freshman basketball coach and Craig Swanson, who I played basketball for here, was the varsity basketball coach. That was in the fall of 97. Uh, I'm sorry, fall of 90. Yeah, fall of 97. And um, no, I'm sorry, it's fall of 93. And Jim Kuna was the head football coach here at the time and, and had just started the program um, of his leadership of the program and came to me at the end of basketball season in 94 uh, sometime in, I don't know, February, March, April, and said, hey, Rod, we need some football coaches. Would you be interested? And I said, you know, coach, I didn't play anything. I, don't, I, I love watching it, but I don't think I'm very knowledgeable. And he goes, well, you don't have any bad habits. If you're willing to learn, we're willing to invest the time to teach you. And and Jim and then uh, Dean Wieselmeyer, uh, who was one of our coaches here this year. He was our defensive coordinator here at the time. Uh, and a handful of other coaches, Mike Monarch, Kevin Kerminga, took me under their wing and started teaching me. And I slowly learned and just fell in love with how I think football can grow young men uh, in today's world and today's culture. 
early on, what was it like learning the game having not played it before? What was something that maybe surprised you that you didn't know went into football? Maybe you don't have an example of that, but just take me through being so inexperienced having not played. What were those early days of coaching like? Um, you know, the expression, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> appropriate. I remember looking at the playbook and Jim was a very organized, detailed coach. Um, and remember looking at the shades, you know, what a, what a shade tech, a one, a two, a three, um, as far as defensive line alignment on, on the offensive line. And I, I mean, I, I had no idea what it was talking about and even formations. And I, I just didn't have any perspective. Uh, and I'd learn all of that and shoot, I'm still not very smart. I think we have really good players that cover things up, but just over time slowly grew and learn and, um, I'm really thankful for being able to coach a, a multitude of different sports in my career because certainly that's one thing, the schematics of a of a team and of a sport, but probably the dynamics of a team, the motivational, those types of things uh, I've learned to understand that that goes across sport, um, capturing the hearts, setting goals, casting a vision, partnering with parents versus becoming adversarial with parents. Those are important things for all of us uh, as coaches to know in any sport, not just the schematics of, of an actual sport. What was your first title? Were you a positional coach? Yeah, I think the first year I did our freshman special teams uh, and probably did an awful job at that. <laughs> um, coached running backs and defensive ends and and coach V's taught me uh, here's the reads we'll do every day here's how we'll teach a, a progression of pass rush and he taught me those drills and I just did those drills religiously every day with the guys I wasn't creating anything on my own I was just taking what other coaches were a lot smarter than me did and uh, putting it into practice you mentioned growing up and watching the game was there a college or professional team that you root for maybe still do root for well, living in Denver for 12 years, there was something cool to being in a town that had an NFL team, because I didn't get that when I was in California, right, before the Raiders, or, or excuse me, the Raiders and the Rams, Chargers. Um, so to go to the grocery store in Denver, and everybody's wearing their Broncos jersey in LA, et cetera, was pretty cool, and to be there through the Manning years. Um, College-wise, I always loved watching the colleges where our kids played at, um, became a Stanford fan, you know, and just had different guys playing at different schools across the country and uh, just loved being a fan of them. I never had that one school for me. I just had a lineman play at Auburn, and I was a huge Auburn fan, got to go to the national championship game, et cetera. So uh, probably like you are as a parent, you follow where your, you know, your passions are your kids' passions, and I feel like that's true. Um, as a high school football coach that you love the colleges that your players go on and play at. I loved following USC when Aaron was there. Then I became a Richmond fan when he transferred to Richmond and started a quarterback there. So correct me if I have the dates wrong, but 93 you started coaching football, and then 97 you were named the offensive coordinator? Uh, no, I think 97 is when I started full-time employment here okay. at Orange Lutheran and um, was an assistant coach uh, I think helped with specials for a couple of years. I believe it was 99. I became the defensive coordinator. Oh, okay. Served for one year in that. Um, and then Brent Wieselmeyer came back here after he was done playing uh, in college. And he took over 
defense and I took over offense uh, and Jim had always been doing the offense and was able to hopefully spend time focusing um, and he did so well on the head coach aspects and he was awesome letting Brent and I work on the schematic aspects and and he was there as a great backstop for me as I was learning and growing and um, making mistakes along the way to pick me up and teach me uh, through those years. So 2000 was your first year as OC? I believe that's when I started being the OC. What's it like going from DC to OC? That's a funny transition. Um, I, I, when the entire time Brent and I were here together, we both coached on both sides of the ball. So when I was OC and he was DC, I coached the secondary. Um, he was DC, he coached the O-line. And we thought it gave us a great cohesion of how are we, we going to make sure that we're the best team we can be, that we weren't going to get caught up in when we care how the offense does, how the defense does. It allowed us to compete um, more because we both knew offense and defense. It allowed us to not worry in practice about scripting it so that it was going to be easy. Um, we would try to script it so that it was much more difficult. Hey, we're getting a, hey, let's plus one pressure on this play in the spring. Hey, let's run a jailbreak screen on offense so that we were challenging ourselves to make it harder for us in practice so that it was better in the games. And and I felt like that system didn't have an ego of, at the end of the day, we wanted the offense to be good or the defense to be good because we were both coaching both sides of the ball. We wanted to compete hard. We wanted to grow. We wanted to learn. Um, so I, I feel like that experience really helped me. And it helped me to know, boy, what are we doing on this side of the ball? And how does that, right, if we know what we're teaching our linebackers, how does that impact what we want to teach our offensive line to look at it from a, a, the opposite perspective? So it, it really helped me learn and grow. And I value that I coach offense and defense here now to understand both sides of the ball. Back then, you guys made a bunch of championships, and then in 2006, winning the Pac-5 championship, the biggest division at the time. I'm sure that is one of your favorite memories from your first stint here. Take me through some of those favorite memories. Was it that first championship? Was it the Pac-5 championship? You had a lot of success. You guys were small, and then you grew and grew. What were some of your favorite times from uh, back in those days? Yeah, I think my favorite times from the 2006 season um... – my wife and I, we had a daughter, uh, Rory's her name. She was two at the time. We knew, um, and the administration here knew that we were moving out to Colorado. And when we started in the playoffs, I remember uh, every Tuesday night was when we had quarterback dinner. Um, and we'd have dinner, we'd watch film. And when we knew we were leaving, my wife and I just decided, like, let's watch film and then let's take Aaron and Billy. Uh, Billy was the backup quarterback, like, Let's just go out to dinner with them every week. Let's enjoy life with these great young men. And every week, we were like, well, we better up the ante of, like, go to nice meals, right? My wife and I were both working. We are double income, one kid. And I just remember God blessing us with wins and having some really nice meals, enjoying life with those guys, uh, Aaron and Billy, and watching them flourish, um... And I don't know, maybe I'm unique as a coach. That I don't know that I always remember all the game moments. I remember those relationship moments more than any other any other moment I have. That's incredible. What was the landscape like in high school football back then compared to where it is now where you have modern day and St. John Bosco pretty pretty dominant? Was it different back then in the sense that there were a bunch of teams that could win a Pac-5 championship? What do you remember from 
from the landscape of Southern California high school football back then. Yeah, I think it was different because there weren't programs that had a concentration of players the way that it is now. Uh, it was more spread out. Kids weren't going as far to a single school. Probably has a direct correlation to there was less from a youth program standpoint, right? Kids were playing in their neighborhood youth programs, not all-star youth teams that high school coaches are super engaged with and how that, you know, there are articles in the paper this year that talked about um, teams that wanted more started reaching out younger and wider, and I don't think any of that had transpired. And, you know, is that good for kids? Is that good for football? I don't know. I'll let the listeners decide that. But I think that's what I would say is the difference of, um, you know, some programs that are going more more broad uh, with their marketing efforts at a younger age. Tell me about how the Valor Christian gig started. You mentioned you were employee number three. They were a brand new school. How did that come together for you? Yeah, I, I was probably like a player who gets a letter in the mail from a college, right? A form letter. Um, and I got a letter and I was like, honey. And I told Kristen, like, oh man, here's this Christian school that seems like it's a lot like Orange Lutheran starting in another area of the country. Is that something you'd like to look at? And I don't even know why we did. Um, because we had things pretty well here. We were pretty good here. I was athletic director at the time. Uh, my wife was our tennis coach here. She was teaching AP. Uh, for whatever reason, we felt led at that time in our lives to try something new and to get an opportunity to start a school. Um, and there's a lot of really good memories that I have from doing that. And so kind of just started up the relationship with them. And like I said, I was probably uh, arrogant at the time of just thinking like, oh, they want to recruit me. And Right? They probably sent letters to hundreds of people in my position. I may have been the only one that returned it, so they ended <laughs> up having to hire me. Um, and uh, I think I developed or really enjoyed a lot of things. Uh, and my wife and I miss a lot of things about Colorado. It's a really good place. And you started in 07 as the AD of the school and the offensive coordinator? Correct. And then became the head coach in 2012? Correct. Uh, Brent, so Brent Wieselmeyer was our, at that time, was our director of missions here at Orange Lutheran. And they hired, I interviewed as a head football coach and athletic director at Valor. They hired me as athletic director and said, you can do what you want as head coach. Um, and I thought, I don't need to be head coach. Why don't I hire someone who I think is really, really good? Um, and Brent was such a good friend of mine. It was a win-win all the way around. So he came and was a head coach and uh, we had a really good run and he went on to Houston Baptist and was their defensive coordinator. And when he did that, I became head coach and was head coach there for another five, six years. And you won three state championships, had Christian McCaffrey for the first two years. What was it like coaching a guy who isn't only just in the NFL now, but is one of the best players in the National Football League? I'm sure that was a pretty incredible experience. Yeah, I was just talking to a college coach here um, who was at Stanford and was recruiting Christian. And you know, we had a lot of fun coaching Christian. I think any time that your best player is your hardest worker and your best leader, there's some good things that are going to happen. And that was Christian in high school. Uh, he cared about his teammates. He was There was no bit of arrogance. Um, he worked super hard at his craft. He was a multi-sport athlete. He has multiple interests. 
was a musician um, and was a real joy to coach. I never panicked, was never selfish about how many touches he had. And you could make the case that he always deserved more touches um, and was just a, an absolute blessing to coach. And it was a blessing to watch him play at Stanford and see the success he had had there, let alone in the NFL. He, I'm sure, is the best player you've coached. When I ask you the question, best players you've coached, anyone else come to mind? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Korf, when, you know, the, to be the California State Player of the Year. Uh, Aaron could do everything as a quarterback. He, he would say right now his arm strength didn't grow until later, but part of that was probably he was an exceptional basketball player, was playing on varsity basketball team in the Trinity League, starting there, uh, ran track, uh, but was just an unbelievable athlete and was just like Christian in the fact that he was our best player and he was our hardest worker, loved his teammates, etc. Um, there's a tight end that when uh, Aaron played, he was a year younger than Aaron, his name was Blake Ailes, uh, was unbelievable as a tight end uh, and was just so gifted. Um, Eric Lee is a young man that I coached at, at Valor, went to University of Nebraska, played in their secondary. He's Eric's one of our coaches here now. Um, just been blessed to coach so many really, really good players. Dylan McCaffrey, quarterback for us uh, at Valor, was, I think, three years younger than Christian, and he was absolutely incredible. Uh, Luke Del Rio is a quarterback for us at, at Valor and went on and played at Oregon State. Um, so, yeah, just really felt fortunate to coach a lot of different guys. Luke ended up playing at Florida after that. Alex Cozan was a lineman, went to Auburn, uh, started multiple years at Auburn. Um, just a bunch of really, really great kids I got had the opportunity to coach. After the Baylor Christian years, you move on to Arapahoe High. I hope I'm saying that right. You can mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. I was no, having right. some trouble pronouncing that before we got started. And it seemed like there you – didn't have the talent necessarily that you had at Valor Christian. What was different coaching uh, a group that you tried, you know, Valor Christian, maybe you could have an off day as a team and still win. At a team like Arapahoe, you need to get the the best out of those guys to win games. What was different about that challenge compared to Valor Christian, would you say? Yeah, um, I think I learned a lot in my time at Arapahoe, and I'm so thankful uh, for a lot of perspective that it gave me. I think it gave me perspective on it's different being a public school coach and being a, you know, a Christian school coach at a school like Orange Lutheran or Valor. And I think I had in my own heart developed a, a private school arrogance um, and, and going there and recognizing what great, I, I mean, recognizing kids are kids, right? No matter what school you go to, kids are kids. Um, they, every kid deserves a great high school football experience. Every kid deserves to be coached without being cussed at. Every kid deserves to be have a vision for them in football, a vision for them in their life. Uh, at Arapaho, I was the strength coach. I was the social media coordinator. I ran the offense. I ran the special teams. Um, I, I worked closely with the booster club. There's a lot there. And in the private schools I've been able to coach at, there's more support and more partners there. Uh, so I'm so thankful for that experience and coach just some of the best young men. Um, I don't think there was diff- any difference in the young men that I've coached here at Orange Lutheran or at Valor or at Arapahoe. Um, they're great kids. And I'm so proud Arapahoe won a league championship this year. Uh, they beat the 
the eventual state champion in the regular season, uh, Cherry Creek, that's a top 100 national program. Uh, I just had so much pride for what those kids have done. Um, so like I said, football's football. Kids are kids, whether that's, I believe, at the college level, the high school level. Uh, there's a lot more similarities than there are differences. And I'm glad God gave me that experience to grow me and help me under, understand more of a, a full picture of all the different experiences that exist for high school football. Got a few other questions for you, Rod. Sure. Thank you so much for your time. What are some future goals you have in coaching, whether it's Orange Lutheran, whether it's beyond? You've only done one year here as the head coach, but uh, what do you hope to accomplish down the line? Uh, I hope that I can develop and grow a program that at some point I can step out of and it doesn't miss a beat, um, that we grow leaders from within, that uh, one of the things I, I've been most proud of in my career is how many former assistant coaches are now head coaches at programs throughout the country. And it's really cool to see that. And it took me a while as a leader to recognize the importance of that. And I think here I'm surrounded by a lot of gifted leaders. Um, and how can I not make it about me, but make it about their growth and their opportunity to lead? Um, I, I hope uh, that in our time here at Olu, we can do it the right way and that we can become the best talent development school in the country. Uh, and I think sometimes you make those grandiose statements about in the country, but I, I look here in Southern California, and I believe we can. Uh, I believe we can develop kids better than any school in the country. I'm not saying we're there right now, uh, but I mean develop their academic gifts, uh, develop their spiritual and character gifts, develop them as football players, develop them as young men, right, with that overarching umbrella, um, develop our key team chemistry, and that we can find our niche of the right young people here that, that want that and the right families that we want to partner in. We want high school football here to be a partnership between parents and athletes, not simply parents drop your kids off here. We got them right. Like we want to work together with parents and, um, and I think there's so much to that goal holistically. Um, I just want to do the best job we can for our kids here. Um, and we'll have to continue to grow in that because we're nowhere near where we want to go in that. Who are some of the players who have a chance next season to replace Logan as quarterback? I'm sure in January you don't have an exact guy right now, but who has a shot? Yeah, we've got a crowded quarterback room, frankly. Um, we, we have we played uh, four quarterbacks this last year outside of Logan uh, and, and Noah, our other senior. Um, there's two... Saw, uh, next year they'll be juniors. Walker Calvo, Aiden Millis, both multi-sport kids, awesome kids. Uh, did some really good things over the course of the year. And then there's two young men that were freshmen this year, TJ Latif and John Kazaniga. Both are playing basketball right now. Uh, Walker's in baseball, Aiden's in track. Um, so we'll have a lot of competition going into the offseason. But we feel good about the room. And frankly, we've had quarterbacks look to transfer here, and we've kind of uh, I'm never going to be that coach that is like, oh, is the potential of new talent better than your current talent? Because that's not how I believe you build a God-honoring program, right? Like, we, we want to develop the kids that want to come to school here. It's going to be a meritocracy. We're going to play the best players. Uh, so I'm excited about 
our quarterback room, and I'm excited because I, I believe wholeheartedly in what Aaron can do in the development of that. We'll finish with this. More of a general question about next season, just how excited are you for next year after having such a great year one? Uh, I'm excited to do a better job, right? I, I think <laughs> about the areas as a coach where I've got to do better. Um, I think our team chemistry could be better. I think our players, I can do more things to help them develop relationships with each other. I think I can do more things to embed the core concept of mentorship here and how our coaches and players are interacting. Um, we got an opportunity to do better. And, and I just think about our young men and how they deserve us to do a better job. I don't want to develop a program where we think we've got all the answers. We want to keep growing. We want to keep learning. So many educators tell that to to their students or to their players. But then when someone comes to them, it's like, oh, maybe here's something you could do better, right? We get defensive and like, no, I know what I'm doing. And, and we've got we to gotta try to do that for our guys. Um, let's create the best program we can to meet these players where they're at, to grow them, to support their needs. Uh, and at the end, I think that's something we'll be proud of. That's Rod Sherman, the head coach here at Orange Lutheran High. Rod, thank you so much for your time. Really great to sit down and chat with you. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for uh, what you do to help uh, support and grow coaches in high school football.